0: Welcome to Felony Friday, a presentation of the Lions of Liberty podcast. Here is your host, John Odermatt. Felons, friends, and freedom lovers, welcome back to another edition of Felony Friday, a weekly show right here on the Lions of Liberty podcast. Of course, the Lions of Liberty podcast is your only libertarian variety podcast out there. We have three different shows every single week. Actually, coming up, just starting now, we have four shows every single week. Every Monday, we kick off the week with our Monday show, our longest running program hosted by Mark Claire. It's our flagship program where Mark interviews leaders in the liberty movement. He hosts roundtable discussions and on Tuesday, we have our new show. It's a temporary show, most likely, and it is called Candidates of Liberty. And we added this show in because we simply didn't have, in our old format with the three shows, we didn't have enough time to interview to interact with um, all of the libertarian candidates running for office. Mark Claire and Brian and myself have met so many great candidates at Porkfest or at the Libertarian National Convention who've reached out to us and want to be interviewed, but we simply didn't have enough uh, space on our programs. So that's Tuesday, every Tuesday, and that is starting... First one ran uh, this, this last Tuesday with Laura Epke, so check that out. And then Wednesday, we have Electric Liberty Land, hosted by Brian McWilliams. It is your weekly shot of culture, comedy, and liberty. And then every Friday, Felony Friday, right here. So be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Overcast, wherever you get your podcasts, be sure to hit that subscribe button and get each and every one of our shows delivered right to your feed. And that's all I got today. I got an outstanding guest. I don't want to hesitate. I don't want to wait any longer. My guest is Lynn Ulbricht, Ross Ulbricht's mother. The show notes are at lionsofliberty.com slash FF 137. This is episode 137 of Felony Friday. Let's get to today's guest. My guest today on Felony Friday is Lynn Ulbricht. Lynn, of course, is the mother of Ross Ulbricht. Uh, Ross, uh, of Silk Road fame, um, was convicted back in February, I believe, of 2015 of a laundry list of charges uh, from money laundering to computer hacking to conspiracy uh, to traffic fraudulent identity documents, conspiracy to traffic uh, narcotics by means of the internet. Uh, he's currently serving a double life sentence, plus 40 years um, without possibility of parole. Um, Lynn, Ross's mother, has been tirelessly working, uh, doing media, giving speeches uh, to raise awareness uh, of, about this injustice that, that Ross uh, is is living out. So Lynn, thank you so much for coming on Felony Friday.
1: Well, thanks so much for the opportunity. I really appreciate it.
0: And Lynn, yeah. we were just... Uh, chatting during our pre-show chat here about
1: mm-hmm.
0: it's crazy that I didn't have you on sooner because <laughs> you know the and the more I think about this and over the past couple of days after I reached out to you to come on I started looking at Ross's case again and I hadn't looked at it for for a little while and it was just uh, sort of overwhelmed with just how insane it was um looking at just the the outright corruption um really in Really, he wasn't allowed. His def- Ross's defense wasn't allowed to defend him. I mean, they, they were they were handcuffed, and we can get into to talking about that. But um, when I was thinking through that, uh, I had a I had a thought come to mind. As you're sitting there going through this trial, when when your son is your son is on trial, at, at what point did you first think, "My God, he could you know be sentenced to life in prison"?
1: I never thought he would get a life sentence. He's a first-time offender, no violence at all, and I never thought there would be a life sentence involved. To me, when I was growing up, to get a life sentence, you had to be a mass murdering maniac who was a real danger to people, and you, you serve life. Now, the, the well, life sentences have quintupled, I've learned since, since the drug war in the 80s, and there are over 17,000, according to the Sentencing Project, nonviolent offenders serving life they're not violent and um i can go into why i think all this is happening but or what it looks like to me but i never thought it never even it never dawned on me that he would be given a life sentence at the at, during trial yeah I mean, or even I, sentencing i could i couldn't believe it
0: i kind of expected that response from you i mean based mm-hmm. on based on everything leading up to the trial um it, it looked like he had a they had a very good defense um they had they had a good strategy to uh, to win, and a lot of people were surprised that that they took it to trial. In a lot of these circumstances with cases like this, where the government is throwing all these charges at the wall, just trying to get anything to stick, um, they're doing it to try to get a plea deal. And
1: well, Ross wasn't really offered a plea deal. He was offered what the he was offered a threat basically, and the threat was by Saren Turner, the prosecutor. He said. We can, we're can. we going to charge you with narcotics trafficking. That's a 10-year mandatory minimum, but we're going to recommend life to the judge. And if you don't cooperate with us, then we're going to add on the kingpin charge and we're still going to recommend life. So basically, there was no ceiling to the plea it, and that judge would have given him life and we'd have no option to even fight it. So, uh, you know, I wasn't in on the negotiations, mm-hmm. but that was the decision made by the defense was, well, this this is a bad deal. And, um, you know, the kingpin charge is reserved for violent, um, you know, despots who run um, huge drug empires. They're saying that a website host where people chose to buy and sell things that were illegal is like a kingpin. It's like saying Jeff Bezos controls what I buy on Amazon. It's like saying I'm in a conspiracy with him. And um, that's what they do with the conspiracy charges, though. I'm sure you know all about that. It's a, Mm -hmm. they widen the criminal umbrella with conspiracy charges so that we can all easily be in a conspiracy. And, you know, all his charges were conspiracy, not that he dealt drugs, not that he, you know, did these things. It was that he was in a conspiracy by having a website where other people did them.
0: Yeah. I think most Americans don't, don't understand that, um, when how conspiracy charges work. And there's a lot of people I've had on this, this show in the past that, simply for answering a phone call or giving someone a ride mm-hmm. in a car. Um, just something as simple as that can be looked upon by the government as conspiracy that you're, you're helping this person um, commit a crime. Um, and obviously how we would look at crimes as, as libertarians is, is different than uh, than a lot of society. You know, voluntary transactions, as Silk Road was, these are all voluntary mm-hmm. transactions. Um, and it's been... You know, a lot of people have praised Silk Road for taking the violence, uh, the, the violent aspect out, out of the drug trade um, and really making it, uh, in a lot of cases, the, the drugs safer because you're able to, to rate the buyer and seller. Now, I don't want to go too much into, um, you know, the way Silk Road operated. I want to talk more about Ross's case, but I, I don't know how much you know, uh, some of my listeners might not be as familiar um, w- with this case. So I, I wanted to to give a, a little bit of background. So if there's anything that you think I should add about Silk Road and, and how it operated, feel free to, to chime in.
1: Well, I would just like to add, because it's a, a very widespread misconception, Silk Road, from what I understand, was not started as a drug website per se. It was started as an open market, a free market, to give people the experience of what that was actually like. And it was up to users of the site to decide what to buy and sell. And they had to use the cryptocurrency Bitcoin. And, you know, it was to protect anonymity and privacy. So, yes, many, many people used it to buy and sell drugs, mostly, by the way, by far mostly, most commonly, uh, small amounts of marijuana. Uh, and, but there are many legal items on there, too and non-drug items. There are books, and art, and gold, and, you know, just on and on of uh, many mm-hmm. items. Uh, I've suits, and dresses, and belts, and, you know, I've talked to people who were post- posted on, you know, items on there, uh, and so it was a kind of like an, an eBay-like but uh, site, but it was um, private, and anonymous, and right. Yes, there were drugs, as you, you know, many libertarians believe that that's a choice and it's not in the constitution or up to the government to decide what you do with your own body. And I, I don't defend Silk Road either. Uh, many things on Silk Road, I would not recommend, you know, people choose to do that, but there were things that were prohibited because th- it was based on a philosophy of voluntary interaction. So for instance, child pornography was not allowed. Stolen property was not allowed. Things that created victims, and I've talked to high level admins. Curtis Green is writing a book, and he's come out and said he would spend all day taking off hacking software, uh, other things that were harming people. um, You know, taking it off of the site. So they had people doing that. So, you know, look, like I said, I'm not defending everything about it. Um, It was the creation of a 26 year old who was very passionate about freedom. Some 26 year olds sometimes do reckless things. They, you know, and but they do grow out of it, they do mature. And I can say that Ross now at 34 is a much different person. He's, you know, he's learned a lot. (laughs) He's been in Mm -hmm. prison for five years. And to keep him there for the rest of his life, to not 20 years was the mandatory minimum. And that wasn't long enough for that judge. Neither was 30, neither was 40. She had was insisted that he leave there as a corpse. This is outrageous and it's going to cost taxpayers close to $2 million. And he is not a danger to anyone. He's never been a danger. Uh, So, you know, that's a whole other topic is the criminal justice system and the over sentencing in this country and why they're doing it. But um, yeah. So anyway, just to give a more rounded picture of what Silk Road was. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Ross never had a, uh, any conviction in his past. And of course in this, Was never arrested in any capacity, never in trouble with the law in any way, right?
1: Nope. (laughs) Nothing. Um,
0: Yeah. And talking about this judge, um, I can't help but think of Chuck Schumer, because I think it was Chuck Schumer that appointed this judge, correct? He
1: recommended her. Obama appointed her on his recommendation, yeah.
0: And Chuck mm-hmm. Schumer, there was a documentary I was watching the past few days, I, f- I forget which one, but uh, it has Silk Road up there on the screen and there's Chuck Schumer there pointing at, you know, there's this mm-hmm. drug and this drug, right mm-hmm. there in the light of day, unbelievable. Yeah, the deep
1: web is probably what you're talking about, but yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I think, it was, I think it was deep web. Mm-hmm. And it was Chuck Schumer that, that sort of led mm-hmm. this charge, right?
1: Absolutely. And I believe that that is, leads to why they came down so hard on Ross because Chuck Schumer was the senior, a senior member of the Senate Finance Committee and the banking committees. And I think it had, a, it had to do with the Bitcoin, that this was this upstart currency that they're like, wait a minute, we can't tax it, we can't control it, we can't regulate it. What's this? We got to stop this. Because, and the reason I'm pretty sure that's true or that's not about drugs is because the biggest drug seller on Silk Road got 10 years. And it goes down from there with the various, very large drug sellers. And the person who ran Silk Road 2, which was um, bigger and had more items than Silk Road, the original Silk Road, Mm -hmm. never did any time. He got out in 13 days. No one knows where he is. They're not worried about that. But I believe they were very worried about uh, Bitcoin. It was threatening. And by the way, the lead prosecutor, Preet Bharara, who was fired by President Trump, um, was Chuck Schumer's special counsel for almost five years and was owed his job to Schumer. The judge owed her job to Schumer, and Ross was arrested in California and brought to New York, Schumer's state, to be tried. And you know, to me, it was just all set up just mm-hmm. very neatly. This is not justice. This is not how it's supposed to work in the United States.
0: Yeah. And it's, that is a good point that it's tied to Bitcoin. There was actually a guy, oh, yeah. I'm, trying to, I'm trying to remember his name, Randall, So probably a year ago, I had him on my podcast. It was right before he was supposed to report to prison. He was going to prison because all he was doing was helping people to acquire Bitcoin. He wasn't mm-hmm. doing anything illegal. He was sort of teaching them how to buy and sell Bitcoin. And the in the government. Um, I think he's sentenced to three or four years in prison, something like that. You're
1: kidding. For teaching it's, about Bitcoin?
0: It, it, oh, my Pretty God. much. That's that's the way I understood <laughs> it. He wasn't... He, they said he was acting, acting as a broker, a Bitcoin broker. Mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. think that's essentially...
1: Right. I know somebody Bitcoin. else who's in prison for that, too. A woman. Nice, very nice woman. I met her. She's no danger to anyone, as far as mm-hmm. I could tell. And, um, yeah, she also is in prison right now for that.
0: Yeah, and... So when we talk about the motivation, Bitcoin, you know the government obviously wants to be able to tax everything, and uh, the almighty dollar. They want, you know, the, the, everything should be traded in dollars uh, to keep, uh, well, for a couple of different reasons. But you know, obviously, that's the, the fuel. The Federal Reserve is the the engine that, that keeps this government going. But when we when you start to think about that, and you look at the level of corruption in this case. Um, yeah. the, the rights violations. C- can you talk about some of the, um, you know, the Fourth Amendment um, violations? W- wasn't, wasn't Ross uh, surveyed with, without a warrant for an extended period of time?
1: Um, absolutely. That was one of the questions in the uh, Supreme Court uh, petition, was that the government used warrantless surveillance to uh, see what was on Ross's internet browsing history and, and habits. And um, it with a with a pen trap, and we can go to the technical part of that, but basically the the Supreme Court denied the petition, and by denying that petition, they're also saying we are all open season for the government to delve into and scarf up any um, of our internet information without a warrant in secret with no oversight. and we're talking about our medical records, our um, you know, political affiliations, our religious orientation and mm-hmm. vi- affiliation, our sexual interests and orientation, our apps, and and not only does that you know it's a privacy issue, but it's also an issue of that they can use this to blackmail officials, Congress people, whoever they want, in secret.
0: Because of course, people would say, "Well, if I'm not doing anything wrong, yeah. I have nothing to worry about." Well, you can always you can always be blackmailed. I mean.
1: You can. And also, you know, there's this book, Three Felonies a Day.
0: Yeah, that, I've had um, on Harvey, Harvey you know, Silverglade. He's Yeah, great.
1: I mean, we're all, we, if they want to, yeah. we're all committing a felony Absolutely. or three a day. Uh, but th- the point is, I don't really want the government delving around in secret into my private browsing habits. And I have nothing to hide. I really don't. But so what? You can't, how can you have a free life when, when you, you know, don't have privacy? And the other thing is, it's a slippery slope. They could use it to persecute me because I have certain political views. They can, you know, there's all kinds of ways that this can be used. And it's, um, it's, I'm really sorry that not only for personal reasons, but because the Supreme court, I believe should have dealt with this issue when it was right before them and they didn't.
0: Yeah. And the people who say they have nothing to hide, anybody out there listening who says that I encourage you, please um, share your browsing history with, uh, with everyone. Just make it public, put it on a webpage. And yeah. I guarantee you, I, it, not that people have something to hide, but people want privacy. and
1: the, the Yeah, and we have gonna, a right to it.
0: Yeah, you have a right to privacy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's just, exactly. it's, it's, it's ridiculous.
1: Yeah. Well, it's very threatening. It's a slippery slope that's leading us to a surveillance state. Is that how you want to live? You know, I don't think we want to, you know, and uh, anyway. Yeah, so that was one thing. That was one of many Uh, violations. There were two corrupt agents who were investigating Silk Road, who used their access to the site to steal over a million dollars. They're now in prison. And they also had the ability to act as aliases on the site, including the alias known as Dread Pirate Roberts, which allegedly Ross was Dread Pirate Roberts the whole time. It was a person who ran the site. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's quite clear to me there are many people doing it. And and, uh, they 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 had the ability to change all that evidence and it was not allowed to be known to the jury. The judge would not let the jury know that these two corrupt agents were all over the site.
0: I mean... And, and possibly acting as the Dread Pirate yeah. Roberts, which, right. which they... Mm-hmm. Did they make the case during the trial that Ross was the only Dread Pirate Roberts? Oh, yeah.
1: They've made that case the whole time. Meanwhile, after Ross was in solitary confinement, Dread Pirate Roberts logged in from his account into um, the Silk Road forum. Now, who was that? But that's post trial, so we don't, you know. And um, anyway, there's a lot. There was actual evidence in the trial that was not. A, besides these corrupt agents, there was evidence that there was more than one. Dread Pirate Roberts, Curtis Green. I mentioned him before. He just came on publicly and said, "Well, I were acted as Dread Pirate Roberts." Lots of people did.
0: And and, and Curtis- they want
1: Ross to take all the blame for everything. Dread Pir- and not one witness saw him. Or can attest to that. Yeah, Ross was Dread Pirate Robert. not one.
0: And and Curtis Green, he, so he was one of the administrators that and the and the feds got him early on, right? And then well, they what happened with him
1: was that he got busted, and he they arranged this supposed murder for hire and posed him as a corpse. Meanwhile, to say to Dread Pirate Roberts, supposedly, you need to pay us all this money. We don't know who actually wrote all that. It could have been the feds themselves making it up. It could have been, been we don't know, but they accused Ross of it. They just recently, they, meaning the government at the district of Maryland, which was the only charge of this recently dropped that charge with prejudice. So they can never bring it up again. So um, that's finally gone. But Ross has been living under this cloud of false allegations now for almost five years. But, and Curtis Green himself has come out and said, I don't think Ross had anything to do with it. So, even the victim, supposed victim, is mm-hmm. is you know speaking up for Ross. That doesn't happen too often.
0: <laughs> no, no, that doesn't no. happen too often. Yeah. So you talk about the evidence being blocked, and re- really a big part of the Ross's defense was going to be talking about there being multiple dread powered Roberts. So mm-hmm. how how did the uh, prosecution and the judge or wh- what what happened there that they were able to just block that evidence?
1: Well, actually, um, the the government's witness Jared Durjeagan on the third day of trial was get in cross examination started talking about an alternate perpetrator that he thought was Dread Pirate Roberts, not Ross. And he was going on into that. The government, uh, the prosecutor, objected, and the judge was like, "No, wait a minute. That's perfectly valid. You, you're allowed to, pers- to pursue the theory of an alternate perpetrator. And what are you talking about? And that sort of thing." When they when court was reconvened, she completely had changed her whole tune and said, nope, anything about him is off limits. We cannot discuss this. This is, you cannot ask questions about it. It's suppressed. And the jury was instructed to forget they ever heard it. And I'm like, what the heck is going on here? And uh, that was it. That was the end of that. So it was not able to be pursued, but that, that government witness had signed and sworn affidavits under oath that he thought somebody else was running Silk Road.
0: Yeah, it's really amazing. I think it's in that same same <laughs> documentary. I think it was you that said, or, or, or your husband, that it's it's the trial that never happened. Um,
1: yeah, And actually, we were quoting a journalist who said, I think he was saying, it never it never happened. It's like we never got to have a defense. We never got to. There were so many ways that the the defense was blocked. We couldn't bring. She wouldn't allow our our expert witnesses. She, you know, there were so many things and I was just shocked. I went into there as a a normal American, you know, we're going to get a fair trial. This is good. I left there a a different woman. I was just like, this happened. And we never got to defend Ross. Ross never got to defend himself. It was, it was really shocking. And that's why 90% and 98% of people in this country plead, make a, do a plea deal. They're bullied and threatened by prosecutors. And they're also told if you go to trial, it's called a trial tax. You pay a trial tax, which basically is you're going to lose and you're going to get a worse um, sentence. So you might as well just plead to something, even if you didn't do it, because you'll get, you know, you're going to lose anyway. That is basically how our system works now.
0: Yeah, there is a huge epidemic of uh, of false confessions. And we've talked about it before on this show. Yes. And people say people who aren't aware of this, you know, completely broken system of in this over prosecution oh. say, "How could anybody falsely confess to a crime they didn't commit?" Well, because the system is rigged, and when the system is rigged, and you can do, you know, five years instead of twenty-five years, that's right. You're going to do five years, even that's if right. you're completely innocent, or know you are, mm-hmm. um, because at the end of the day, people are acting in their, in their own self-interest, and. They see well, the right now. You the got, yeah.
1: You know, you're looking at your whole life mm-hmm. being spent in a cage. It it does tend to motivate you to, uh, you know, do whatever you can do not to do that. And, um, you know, yes, absolutely, absolutely. What was the
0: uh, the part of this case? Uh, potential NSA involvement? Maybe there's mm-hmm. a, I guess, a bit of a conspiracy there, or I don't know how much. Well,
1: it's. I don't even know if it's a conspiracy. Well. A, conspira- a conspiracy theory is different than an actual conspiracy. Well, so, a, a, but, a conspiracy uh, is only yeah, people asking yeah.
0: questions, right? Yeah. So there's. Yeah, yeah,
1: I mean, you know, it's gotten, it's become very politicized. Oh, it's a conspiracy. Well, maybe it is a conspiracy, but anyway, um, the NSA, it came out it, last March it, on the the Intercept published it. Edward Snowden had papers proving that the NSA was pursuing Bitcoin users a few months before Ross was arrested, which is very obviously they were pursuing Silk Road and people on Silk Road, but they didn't specifically say that. But they weren't going after terrorists in this instance, or what they're supposed to do, they're after Bitcoin users. Then um, there's a lot of evidence in my opinion, or at least indication of what's called parallel construction, which is really investigation laundering, which is you know, the NSA illegally finds out stuff by spying, and turns it over to the DEA, for example, or, or another agency, and then they make up a story, a parallel story of, oh, this is how we amazingly found this evidence. And there's a few instances of that. Uh, I think Edward Snowden himself said it's unthinkable that the NSA was not involved in Ross's case. He said that he publicly. I mean, he ought to know, right? So I, I think there's a good, very good possibility that the NSA was involved illegally
0: the cannabis industry has rapidly expanded. For those liberty lovers who want to take advantage of this growing industry, they've been met with a flood of government taxes and regulation. A lot of cannabis companies would just love to hire a full-time CFO, but that could be super, super expensive. But what if you could have the knowledge and experience of this full-time CFO at a fraction of the cost? If you're in the cannabis business or you plan on entering the fray, then you need to schedule a free consultation with the Grow CFO Rachel Kennerly. The Grow CFO will help to maximize cost of goods sold deductions by employing accrual and cost accounting, creating tax savings, and improving cash flow. They will keep your books in an audit ready state. If you or someone you know is either already in the cannabis industry or thinking about jumping in the fray, go to thegrowcfo.com and schedule a free consultation today. It's it's really incredible when you look at, I, you know, I think, and correct me if you you know tell me if you agree with this or not, but you know Chuck Schumer comes out and says they have this Silk Road, it's bad. They're selling drugs. we have to get rid of it, and you know the government obviously doesn't want Bitcoin being used. You're not going to stop Bitcoin. You're not going to start stop these uh, trades happening on the dark web. But they wanted to have a fall guy. They wanted to have somebody to say, "Look, we stopped it. It's over. You're all safe now, Americans. You don't have to worry about it anymore." Do, do you think that's that played into this?
1: Yeah, I think they play up that whole thing, and you know, now. But it's what, ironic because now Chuck Schumer is going, "Oh, marijuana should be legal," because he's courting the millennial vote, of course, and he's he's saying, "Well, if it doesn't hurt anybody else, you should be allowed to." Um, You know, do what you want. And I'm like, wow, has he been reading the Silk Road Manifesto or what? You know, and uh, meanwhile, he took a hundred thousand dollars from a donation from private prisons. So it's completely in his interest to have people put in prisons. And we can go on about that. And meanwhile, people think they're safer and the uh, drugs are being stopped. They're not. It's been the drug war has been going on for 40, over 45 years, over a trillion dollars. People are still doing as much drugs as ever. They can't even keep drugs out of the prison. You know, it, it, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. And you've you know?
0: seen addiction has increased Absolutely. over that time, the amount of addiction. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, right. all we have to do is look at a couple other countries like uh, Switzerland and Portugal.
1: and Yes. Yeah. You know, that have
0: essentially yeah. decriminalized drugs and seen a, a vast uh, decrease in the amount of addiction and amount of crime and violence and uh, things associated with it. But...
1: Yeah, no. Actually, my husband was talking to someone from Portugal who said it used to be it was pretty dangerous and, and kind of sleazy on the streets and that kind of thing. And then when they legalized drugs, it's now very wholesome and safe. It had this miraculous turnaround, which I thought was interesting. You wouldn't. It's kind of counterintuitive, but in a way, it's the drug war and the high price of drugs that is causing violent cartels to be involved, um, gangs protecting their turf. You know, all the violence. It's about it's because of the drug war. And it happened in prohibition with the alcoholism as well. It's the same thing.
0: Yeah. With, with the mafia, of mafia. course. Exactly.
1: It created the mafia. This creates the cartels. Right. You know, so.
0: But Lynn, I, I wanted to ask you, I know there's a uh, petition going around right now. Yes. For, for clemency, yes, right? You. So yes. can you tell us a little bit about that? And of course I'll, I'll post that uh, on the show notes page. People can find it there. Thank you. And um, social media as well. So if you can just share what the, uh, what's, what's behind that and how people can, uh, can help.
1: Absolutely. Um, we, you know, Ross is kind of, he's run out of direct appeals. He can't directly appeal to the court. And so what's left is clemency from the president. And we do have a petition. I'm hoping it's going to reach 60,000 today, which will be exactly a month. It's, we're getting close. We're over 59,000. Um, and so we've gotten a great response. And really it's, It's about Ross and it's about this kind of sentencing. And it would be a great thing for the president to make a statement about excessive sentencing in this country by, um, you know, commuting Ross's sentence. And so this petition, it's really to show support. That's what it is. I mean, it has no legal weight, but it it, it would show support. So please go there, share it. You don't have to be an American to, to sign it. It's just a worldwide grassroots effort to say, "Look, this is wrong. We need to correct this.
0: Yeah, and I know there's I've had many previous guests on this show who are very active in uh, fighting for clemency for nonviolent offenders. So oh good. I'm hoping that they they come on board and uh, and get behind this. Um, uh, yeah, uh,
1: I hope so. And and huge. by the way, I just want to say we're not just fighting for Ross because uh, we actually helped another inmate that where he is uh, launch a petition. Tony DeJohn, who's in there for life, for marijuana. Marijuana. And the prison happens to be in Colorado. You know, so the, you know. And actually, Ross organized a photo that has been posted on the internet of him and, and fellow nonviolent drug offenders who are getting, have life. And they're just, it's a very poignant and powerful photo. I'll send it to you. But um, so we're, we care about, it's not just Ross. For me, it's become a bigger issue. And I was really glad that how you are working for this as well. This is, this should, everybody should be concerned about what's going on in our criminal justice system. It's an un-American, it's wrong, and it it's cruel. It's horrible. It's, it's just needs to, needs to be fixed.
0: I'm curious, what were your views uh, politically and maybe just towards the criminal justice system prior to this?
1: You know, I didn't really think about it that much, to be honest. Uh, or the drug war. This is all things I've had a very steep learning curve mm-hmm. <laughs> in the past uh, four and a half years. Um, so I certainly would read about, you know, from the Innocence Project and things like that and go, oh my God, this is awful, what's going on. But I really didn't pay a lot of attention to it, to be honest. I, and I think most people don't. And then one of the things I want to have happen, and Ross wants to have happen, is his case can point, a, shine a light, because he's got a high profile case. On, this isn't just about him. And I, and I wanna say, I get to know the families. I go regularly to the prison. I get to know the children. I see the devastation that's causing to these families, to mm-hmm. these kids, and um, it, it's, they are statistically more likely to end up in prison as well. And there's 2.9 million children with incarcerated parents. Now look, some people probably need to be, society needs to be protected. But a lot of these people are not violent, and a lot of, and it's over 60% is drugs. Mm-hmm.
0: And they put them in prison with violent people and yes. then they come out and they're violent. And it's,
1: well, it's, I mean, Ross is in surprise. prison with violent people and violent mm-hmm. gangs and he's managing it. And of course he wouldn't come out violent, but I've, you know, I've moved to be near him, to visit him. Other people visit him. He's got a real lifeline to the, to us, you know, but some people are just there that's the, becomes their world and they to survive. Yes, they do. They learn how to be criminals. And I'm like, how can you call this correctional? It's a criminal training program.
0: Right. Yeah. There's there's no reform, no reform involved nope. there. Um, just w- one more question. I did notice sure. that, that Ross is posting on Twitter through through a friend, right? How, how does that work?
1: Um, well, by phone calls or um, letters. You know, so he can't get on the internet. He doesn't even he doesn't even have email privileges like other um, uh, inmates. I mean, look, violent gang leaders with nationwide networks who can organize riots have email privileges and ross doesn't go figure so um he doesn't because it's an internet crime and and they don't understand him but um so he has no email even but um this way he can he can say his thoughts and just what Mm -hmm. he wants people to know who he really is and not the smear that the media and the government has propagated And so it's not, you know, he's, I don't think he's going to get political. I don't know what he's going to do from day to day, frankly, just so you know, I'm not, I'm not controlling it. I have my own Twitter, but um, he, uh, which is free underscore Ross, by the way, please follow me. But um, he, he really just wants it to be who he is. And he's such a a great guy. I mean, he's such a sweet, compassionate person. He's about to teach, excuse me, teach a math class. He helps other inmates with things like if they have to write a letter and he helps them do that or whatever, if they need help or whatever, he's very, always been a very giving, caring human being, very idealistic. And so, um, you know, the Twitter thing, I think he's felt so cut off and so maligned that this is his way of just saying, Hey guys, I'm a, I'm a regular guy. Here I am, you know, and, thanks for helping me with my petition and thanks for helping standing by me and just different things. He even said he wasn't angry at the judge, which I said, wow, Ross, you're a better person than I am, but that's good. You know, he's not harboring bitterness. He's not, um, he, he just won't do that. He's a very consciously positive person.
0: Well, that's, that's impressive. Mm -hmm.
1: Uh,
0: I would not blame him for being angry with Mm -hmm. that judge.
1: And he tweeted that. Yeah. Yeah, no. Yeah. Neither. <laughs> so, yeah.
0: just if you could just give w- one last word to mm-hmm. uh, you know, there's obviously a lot of Americans out there who, if they've just seen the narrative of what the media says and what the prosecutors have said, who Ross is and, and what he did, um, wh- what would you say to to encourage them to you know to take another look at this case, take another look at uh, at Ross Ulbricht?
1: Please don't believe everything you read in the media. Fake news is real. I can tell you that. Um, I know firsthand now. Um, and there's 100 letters on our website of people who actually know who Ross is. Please go to our website and read those letters, and you will know who he is. I don't know that I could get 100 people to write letters like that about me. He's, he's, he's been consistently a caring individual, peaceful, and he's been um, very maligned. And look, I'm not saying mistakes weren't made. I'm not saying that you know he he definitely regrets creating Silk Road, but he's he was 26, and I'm not saying you shouldn't. You know, it's like giving someone double life plus 40 years and spending taxpayer money of two million dollars. It's not correctional. It's not necessary. It's punitive. It's torture, really, and. He's not a danger. In fact, he's a lot to contribute. And um so and I'm not for drugs at all. Um, Ross isn't particularly either. I mean, it's not like that was what it was about for him. He's a he's very much oriented towards freedom. And um I I would say please keep an open mind and really consider um is this fair? Is this right to keep him in a literally a cage for Decades and decades
0: and decades. Well, Lynn, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show and, and sharing with the Felony Friday audience and uh, wish you the best of luck with the petition and, and your activism going forward.
1: Well, thank you. Al. I'm happy to come back anytime. I really appreciate your work and what you're doing. We've got a big effort, I mean, big fight going to forward, but um, I think we can make some changes. All right. Thank you, Lynn. Thank you.
0: Hope you guys enjoyed today's episode with Lynn Ulbricht. Uh, just, a, just a tremendous lady, a really nice, really nice lady. Really enjoyed talking with Lynn, and you know I don't think this will be the last time she'll be on the show. And she expressed some interest in coming back on to talk more in depth about um, Fourth Amendment issues and really just the broken criminal justice system as a whole. I got to give Lynn tremendous credit. Uh, for doing what she's doing uh, after watching how the criminal justice system has just completely, completely uh, just destroyed her son's life. And, you know, I, I have hope, I have hope that uh, Ross will get clemency someday. I, I know that, that Lynn does too. And, and, you know, many people around Ross do and in the, in the libertarian community do as well. In fact, at the Libertarian National Convention, I was there in, uh, in New Orleans. Uh, this past July, there was a uh, motion passed that the Libertarian Party, and I think everyone voted for this, uh, completely supported um, giving a, a Ross Ulbricht, granny and Ross Ulbricht clemency, which, uh, you know, I think that's the only stance to have, really. And if that's not a reason to elect Libertarians, to get Libertarians, Libertarian Party members in office, then I, I don't know what else is. I mean... So if that's what we have to do to get Ross Ulbricht out of prison, to elect libertarians, then let's go that route. Uh, In the meantime, I will, of course, post on the show notes page at lionsofliberty.com slash FF137. I will post the link to the petition there. Please sign it. Please share it. Please tell your friends about it, your neighbors about it. And, uh, you know, a lot of people... When you talk to them, when you mention the name Ross Ulbricht, when you bring up Silk Road, they're going to have that media narrative that is uh, that, that's in their ear, and they're going to be saying things like he had child pornography on Silk Road, and um, he you know did had a did murder for hire. He had charges against him. Some will even say he was convicted of that, which is not true at all. and The charges were just thrown out. So that's that's all complete garbage. And when you look into this case, when you look into the details of this case. Ross got nothing close to a fair trial. Not even an attempt at a fair trial. It's a travesty that this man was convicted. And the judge sentencing him to two-life sentence plus 40 years just completely, completely disgusting. I think it sort of just was a just a confluence of uh events that that had this occur, that they needed a fall guy uh to show that they were gonna be. Tough on crime Chuck Schumer is gonna be tough on crime and tough on Silk Road and uh, Ross was their fall guy I think there was also the Bitcoin element uh, that was in there and Ross is made an example of because of that um, there might have been some other uh, reasons involved I won't get into now but it's just a it's just a complete uh complete travesty and I've written I wrote an article at least one article about about Ross back when he was sentenced uh, right afterwards. And, you know, I said at the time that Ross should have known what he was getting into. And anytime uh, you follow or you act as a, as an agorist, um, when you're creating uh, markets, when you're, when you're, when you're trading on the black market, You have to know that you will deal with the consequences if you get caught by the authorities. Now, that is not to say that the authorities catching you is saying that you did something wrong. I'm I'm not saying that. I'm just the structuring a market like that, and Ross wasn't trading on it, I don't think at least, but did, I think, have a hand in creating um, that marketplace. I'm not saying that that's wrong. I'm not saying him creating that was a crime or it harmed anybody or there's any victim. All I'm saying is, looking at the reality of the situation, he was taking a tremendous risk. And I think, based on talking with Lynn today, I think that Ross would recognize that risk today and probably not do it. Now, that's not to say that there shouldn't be free exchanges like that. Of course there should be. And it should all be legal. It should all be legal. My point is... As an activist, as a libertarian, as someone wanting to make changes in society, before you do something, you have to think through the consequences. Are you willing to spend life in prison for this um, for this decision, for this statement, for this uh, act of uh, agorism? Are you willing to do that? Maybe you are. Maybe you are willing to do that. I'm just saying, I have tremendous respect for Ross Ulbricht, tremendous respect for what he's done, and... He's paying the price for it right now. My hope is, and the reason I'm going on this rant right now is, I don't want you know young kids, young libertarians looking to emulate in that way just to emulate, to get fame and then spend their life in prison. I'm not saying that's why Ross did it. But I don't want people to emulate that just to do it. And then they lose the ability to have any influence over society and their value, their brains, everything they could contribute to society is locked in a cell. So hopefully that makes sense. I think it did. It did to me at least. So that was a long rant. Um, I thank you for listening. I thank you for listening to today's episode. I would just say one more thing in closing, guys. I'm not even going to talk about the Lions of Liberty Pride today or joining it or all the great content you get if you uh, sign up for just $5 a month. I'm not even going to talk about that. I'm not even going to talk about how you can go to uh, patreon.com slash Lions of Liberty to learn more. I'm not going to talk about that stuff. Other people can talk about how great the Lions of Liberty Pride is. The last thing I want to say today, in closing, hopefully the people that are still listening are the diehard uh, criminal justice Activists out there listening. If you're on the left, if you're on the right, if you're a libertarian, the way to beat this system, well, of course, electing libertarians or electing people in the Republican or Democrat Party who are for criminal justice reform and supporting them when they do the right thing. But also, it's activists like ourselves coming together and getting behind uh, petition drives, clemency drives uh, like this for Ross Ulbricht. So I'm going to ask my friends on the right and the left to please... Sign this petition, share it with your night networks, stand behind Ross Ulbricht. Ross Ulbricht did not get a fair trial. That's all I got for today, guys. This is John Odermatt signing off. Always remember to keep your head up and the fires of Liberty burning.